Welcome to Who Worth Watching, where we're going through this classic series to determine what's still worth watching for a modern audience. Today, we're discussing The Savages, a story where I promise there is absolutely no subtext. I'm your host, and not to say I wasn't impressed, but if I suddenly lose all my life energy and fall asleep during this recording, I trust my co-host will perform a coup and handle things for me. I'll take an intransference of whatever's left. <laughs> My co-host is Guy, who wakes up every morning discovering that he's been mysteriously drained of another 24 hours of life energy. <laughs> well, boy, isn't that the truth? <laughs> Hello, Guy. Hello, Ron. So, uh, this is a story. <laughs> <sighs> well, okay, let me give a little context. <laughs> just, I, I don't want our listeners to to be bored or disappointed so we'll try to make it as entertaining as we can this is a lost story <laughs> and i'm gonna say this is not one of those where you're like boy i sure wish we found this story <laughs> <laughs> well if you're watching your reconstruction you might wish that because yeah. uh you know they put some nice animation oh, into these yeah. reconstructions but they're still just uh uh, it can be difficult I, to tell. You know, exactly I what's so risk on the ones we watch, and you know, it's we can't even really tell people the ones we watch because who knows? I mean, we don't know if somebody is reposting something someone else did ten years before. I mean, we, we have no idea what the source of these are. These are pretty old, clearly. I think they were done on VHS, which is all the more impressive mm. because the people who did this put so much work in. You know. They have doors that, you know, they animate them closing and they animate guns, you know, going off and they animate all this other stuff. And, and at a time, you know, when they didn't oh, have the yeah. tools that we have now to do this. So that was probably really challenging. And also I noticed, uh, especially the first couple episodes and the ones we watched, it was really well edited. Like it would cut between, you know, the characters talking and just the exact right time and everything. Uh, <laughs> it just, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I wish the story kind of held up to that. So one of the working titles for this story was The White Savages. <laughs> oh, boy. Which is technically accurate. <laughs> yeah, just not the, you know, uh, yeah, and just not the title I would want to use. <laughs> this was the first story in Doctor Who to not use titles for each of the episodes. So it's just Savages 1, 2, which is going to be how it goes from here on out, which is kind of too bad because it was fun, especially with Terry Nation, to have these ridiculously overblown episode titles, you know, the end of the universe or whatever. <laughs> My favorite is still yeah. the death of Doctor Who. <laughs> so now we're just stuck with 1, 2, 3, 4, so. It uh, makes it a little easier for me putting together our, our notes, but uh, it's, it's kind of too bad. Yeah. It's also, and you won't know this is important, but you'll find this out over time, is the first Doctor Who story to use a quarry to represent an alien planet. <laughs> and trust me, 
Uh, however know. long we managed to do this, we're going to see this, I don't know, hundreds more times. <laughs> Go out to use oh, a quarry boy. for an alien planet, which is not bad. Quarries are pretty good for it, and they seem to have a lot of them in England, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the Well, the Peter Cushing movie that was a remake of a series, they actually had a quarry that was on Earth. If yeah, I, remember, I guess right? maybe they were first, but I mean, that was kind of a quarry because the... Daleks were actually digging out the Earth versus just using a quarry to, to represent right. an alien planet. So, a little bit different. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> we talked about, you know, recently, and the producer on this and everything, they've been trying to get rid of William Hartnell, right? So, in The Celestial Toymaker, they made him invisible, so he just had his hand for the whole story. <laughs> and in this one, we see some more clever antics to keep Hartnell off the screen as much as possible. <laughs> Yeah, that's a uh, boy. You know, I mean, Hartnell. I I, yeah. I like Hartnell. I've said many times. I, it's it's hard for me to imagine as as a future doctor that I'll enjoy more than him. And uh, boy, it just it sounds like the old crabs in the bucket yeah. thing. You know, if you're a crab crawling out of the bucket, the it, others are. We've seen him screw up his lines and stuff before, but actually, in the last couple of stories, he hasn't really been oh, yeah. doing that. You know, but anyway, you know, the producers were essentially at war. They were just trying to figure out a way to get rid of him. Yeah, maybe that's what killed him. <laughs> maybe it wasn't just his encroaching, uh, you know, old age and all that stuff. Maybe, uh, maybe he was heartbroken by being routed from the show that he made. Could a success. be. Could be. Uh, so with that promising uh, and uplifting intro, let's head into the first episode, which is now called Episode One. <laughs> <laughs> so this reconstruction actually was reversed on the screen. I presume that was to avoid copyright. Yeah, we've seen that before. Although then the next found. couple episodes are not reversed, so uh, you know maybe people think they need to do it, maybe they don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't know. But, uh, you know, there were a lot of subtitles going by on right. the bottom that were saying the doctor does this or whatever. So that made it a little more difficult. Unfortunately, even the ones that aren't reversed, the subtitles tend to be cut off. So you're sort of trying to read the top half of the letters. Yeah. So it was helpful. I, I, I went back to the, uh, the scripts from uh, Chrissy's transcript site, and uh, it was helpful because I picked up on a few points I hadn't been able to glean from actually watching the reconstructions. Anyway, I'm going to try and keep this pretty <laughs> short. Now, I actually, throughout these four episodes, I did find a lot of stuff uh, mm -hmm. fairly interesting, um, although it is... Uh, you know, my, my most frequent complaint about Doctor Who and even uh, uh, most other things we watch <laughs> is that it could uh, use some editing. But uh, uh, there's some interesting stuff mm. in here, I thought. So. Anyway, we'll get started here. The, uh, they're in the TARDIS. They've arrived at a new place. And the Doctor says this, they've reached a place in the future, and it's an age of peace and prosperity, <laughs> which uh, is Turns out to be true enough, mm -hmm. uh, in a way. So the doctor goes out of the TARDIS, and he sets off exploring, and Stephen and Dodo wait for him, and they, they start wondering after a while what's taking him so long, because uh, he was only going to be gone five minutes, and that's, he's taking his time. The doctor, meanwhile, is being watched by two uh, <laughs> savages. They're in the animal skins and the whole nine yards. Stephen's calling for the doctor, and the doctor can hear him, but he's just annoyed by it. So Stephen goes looking for him. 
And as soon as he leaves, Dodo, of course, sees a savage on a cliff above her, and she screams. So that brings Stephen back. Um, and they start speculating that maybe the doctor got it wrong. Maybe they're not in an advanced future after all. Maybe, in fact, they're in something more like the Stone <laughs> they Age. They don't mention, well, of course, they wouldn't remember this, that the doctor's been in the Stone Age before. If <laughs> we remember the uh, first uh, Doctor Who story. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the doctor heads back. Uh, he's done enough exploring for now. And the two watchers uh, who are still hiding in the bushes, they talk about possibly killing him. The doctor senses them hiding, and he calls out to them. But before anything comes of that, some soldiers arrive, a pair of soldiers, um, and the doctor talks to them instead. I don't know if it looked better in video, but all the soldiers or, and guards, you know, et cetera, in this story are wearing these really dopey, I try to find, it's like a plant holder or something on their head. It's just these, like, strips uh, you know, a fabric or something over their head. It's sort of supposed to be a helmet, but it's, I don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's, it looks just so bad. And actually, what it yeah. kept reminding me of was uh, was Monty Python, you know, the guys with the head uh, injuries or whatever. Who, oh, and they just... <laughs> well, it kind of reminds me of the straps to my CPAP mask, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So these soldiers uh, reveal that they have come to welcome the doctor. Uh, he is known to them as the traveler from beyond time. <laughs> and the elders of the city have been plotting uh, the TARDIS uh, and its travels for a long time now. And this, so here's one of the things that cracks me up, because this, uh, I think, proceeds, obviously, by a few years, the... The famous Star Wars mistake, right, where they said, oh, we, you know, we did the Kessel Run in 46 parsecs or whatever, right? Oh, and a parsec yeah. is a distance, and they tried to, you know, cover that up later, not a period of time. They do that all the way through this story. We've been tracking you for 46 light years. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could be. That's how far the doctor has traveled in his journey. So. Yeah. I guess, you know, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think that they were, well, you know, I think it's funnier anyway if they were confusing the, the time and distance. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> so the soldiers are surprised because they see the doctor carrying something that looks like a weapon to them. And they were their, their elders told him that he didn't carry weapons. And he says, oh, no, this is my RV, uh, which stands for my reacting vibrator. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. very handy tool to have when you're exploring an alien planet, I suppose. There's there's many times when a reacting vibrator could come in useful, but I'm not going to suggest you <laughs> what those are. <laughs> so the soldiers say that they wish to take the doctor to the elders of the city who are waiting to welcome him. And the doctor says, oh, fine, but, uh, but he also wants one of the soldiers to stay and find Stephen and Dodo. Uh, so one of them stays and goes to look for them, while the doctor goes off with the other one to the city. Meanwhile, Dodo is near the TARDIS, and she notices there's more savages up above. And then a spear thunks into the ground pretty close by. Fortunately, these guys are not great shots. But uh, <laughs> it's close enough that they're worried. Stephen and Dodo start running away back towards the TARDIS. Now there's several savages up there, and they're and they're chasing. They're throwing their spears, and then suddenly one of now this wasn't clear from the show that I watched the reconstruction, but apparently one of the guards 
or the one guard who came looking for Stephen and Dodo, used his light gun on one of the savages. And that, uh... Yeah, and this light gun thing is going to become a huge point in the whole story, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. It, it, do, it does this beam that seems to sort of take you over and, you know, make you unable to run away or whatever. Yeah, and, kind of like yeah, a tractor you know. beam or something. You know, yeah. It uh, lets you sort of guide people around. And if it hits you full on in the eyes, it can just knock you right out, too. So, handy little tool. So, this gives Stephen and, up, Stephen and Dodo the opportunity to hide behind the TARDIS. Uh, and the soldier says, please come with me to the city. So, they're all going to be reunited very soon. And in the city, we see the elder, uh, Jano, who is the big head honcho, uh, and he's just tickled to see the doctor. They never thought mm-hmm. that they'd meet him face to face. And they they admire him so much. Somehow they know enough about him from their tracking. They, they knew he didn't carry weapons. Uh, and they know enough about him that they would like, to, like him to accept the office of one of their high elders. So he's just... Yeah, that's like you uh, walk into Congress and they say, we're making you a <laughs> senator. <laughs> so, pretty impressive. And then the soldier Exorce arrives with uh, Stephen and Dodo. And so, they're all reunited and they introductions are made. And the leader says, well, we didn't realize the doctor would have anyone with him, but uh, we'll give you some nice uh, you know, consolation prizes. I, it's a little weird that they were able to observe him enough to know that he never carries weapons, but they didn't notice that he had companions. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's always changing them. Maybe they assumed he just dumped them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen gets a nice dagger, and Dodo gets a nice mirror. It's inlaid with jewels and all that fancy stuff. So then uh, Stephen and Dodo are led away by two of the happening young folks of the city to show them around. <laughs> And uh, Jano and the Doctor. He's like Avon and Flower, right? I think so, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the elders are going to confer with the Doctor. They have many questions to ask him. Meanwhile, outside the city, you've got the two savages that we had seen skulking around before. Plus, there's a girl with him now who turns out to be Nanina. The older, older savage tells her to go back to the caves and tell the families to hide. Because, uh... Uh, there's patrols out looking for savages. They're going to try and haul back some, well, we'll find out soon enough what they want with the <laughs> savages. Uh, it's not terribly hard to guess from this. Oh, funny thing about Nanina. So when I saw her her in the photographs, the first thing I thought was Raquel Welch, right? Yeah. And then I did some background reading on this, and it turns out the producer of this, Ennis Lloyd, apparently was kind of known for his focus on making sure that the uh, the dad in the house would want to watch the show. Ah. <laughs> so apparently it was important to him to have a sort of scantily clad, you know, Raquel Welch looking ah, <laughs> sure. person in the story. Yeah, little, little sex appeal. It, it sells. Yeah. yeah. In the city, meanwhile, as uh, Nanina is about to head back to the caves and warn the others, uh, in the city, Avon and Flower are showing uh, Stephen and Dodo around. Um, and Avon says a very Ayn Randian thing here. He says, it is man's intellect which decides the heat and cold in our city. <laughs> and Flower, uh, Flower is kind of, she just sort of goes along with whatever Avon says, but she isn't quite 
she doesn't follow the party line as well as Avon does. She has, you know, occasionally she says things like, it would be rather nice to know what real things are like sometimes, real wind, <laughs> real rain, real sunshine. Uh, and whenever she says something like that, Avon always scolds her and says, be quiet for her. Yeah, as we, we find out these are kind of your millennials or something, and they're never allowed to go outside. So all their experience is just, you know, inside the city here. Right. You know. They've got everything they need in the city. Avon explains that our scientists have made one simple discovery, and he says, due to this, they have found the way to give us all greater energy, greater intellect, and greater talents. So naturally, <laughs> Stephen and Dodo ask what this one simple discovery, this w one weird trick was. <laughs> Avon says, this is something best discussed by the elders and your doctor. And uh, for the next several minutes, anybody who is asked about this discovery is just sort of going to circumlocute around it. Uh, so I suspect, now this may be reading way too much into the depth of the script. Uh, maybe, not, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But at some level, these fancy city slicker types, they know that what their discovery is, is in fact uh, a moral evil um, because they, they don't like to discuss it. Dead on. <laughs> they don't like to just come out and say what it is. The reason I said in the intro that there's no subtext in this story is, you know, that old joke of there's no subtext, there's only text. So as we, <laughs> as we learn what the secret is, it's, it's you know, yeah, <laughs> there's no subtlety to it. Yeah. And you do, um, you can pretty easily guess what it is. Um, if you haven't already, uh, you'll, you'll guess pretty soon there hereafter. So the doctor is in the council chamber, and he says, uh, well, if I accept your gifts, I must endorse your life, but I can't do that without knowing <laughs> something about you. That's about all the big that happens there right now, but it is a little tinge of foreshadowing because it turns out the doctor's not really going to want to endorse their life. Nanina, meanwhile, is sneaking through the ravine, and the soldier searching for Exorus is back out there in the field. You know, he's already brought back Stephen and Dodo to the city. So he's back out doing his work, and, and she accidentally makes some noise, sends some rocks uh, skidding down the hillside. And uh, long story short, Exorus ends up capturing Nanino with his light gun. And so he can control her, make her move where he wants her to. Uh, so he's taking her back to the city. And in the city, meanwhile, Jano is explaining to the doctor, we have learned how to transfer the energy of life directly to ourselves. And if you haven't already <laughs> guessed where this is leading, maybe that'll give you a clue. <laughs> Outside the city, the old the old guy, the old leader of the savages, um, he, he talks to the guard who's escorting the Nina, and he says, leave her, leave the girl, take me in, in her place. And the guard doesn't want any of that, so he just keeps going on his way. Back in the city, Jano says that this energy of life that they accumulate, they store in vats. Uh, <laughs> and then they can transfer it to whoever needs it inside the city. This makes me think of, oh God, the, the movie with the, where they were raiding the place with the fat. Oh, uh, Fight Club? Yeah, this makes me think of Fight Club clinic. where they, yeah, they raided the liposuction <laughs> clinic that had all the fat. <laughs> <It's really sorry. laughs> 
Yeah, I can I can see that. I was thinking it reminded me more of like a vampire movie, you know, where the vampires drain <laughs> most of the blood out of people, but they keep them like mm. cattle, you know. Like yeah, the, yep. yeah, yeah. The the uh, liposuction fat is also, yeah. Maybe that is the energy of life. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that is a form of energy storage. Well, is that you know? Uh, Soylent Green is people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> probably to spoil a movie, we'll we'll probably cover it at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's pretty well known to most people at this point. But there's probably some out there who could still uh, legitimately say that we've spoiled them. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't ask me about Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> So the doctor says, of course, you need a very high form of life to make this source effective. And Geno says, yeah, that's true. And he says, we absorb only a very special form of animal vitality. But, you know, <laughs> They're kind of like winking and saying, get it? Get yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he still just can't address the issue directly, which you would think, you know, we'll get some talk uh, throughout these four episodes about... Uh, how the savages are, you know, subhuman and not as advanced. And, you know, they, they justify their actions according to all these different reasons they have. But, but they, they know at some level that what they're doing is wrong because they won't talk about it directly. It has to be, like, <laughs> yanked out of them. So Avon and Flower are still showing Stephen and Dodo around. And uh, Avon, at one point, he says, don't go that way. And Dodo had thought that we could go anywhere. She says, don't you ever go outside? And that's why he can't, they can't go that way because it leads outside. Flower says that we're not allowed to. And Avon steps in and says, there's no need. And Flower says, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> she, she, she takes the correction very well. She says, everything we want we have here in the city. But Dodo's getting frustrated. She, uh, she talks to Stephen in a little aside and, She's frustrated that every time she wants to see something, they uh, they tell her no. And she hates mm. conducted tours. And furthermore, <laughs> she saw one of the guards, and he had one of the savages with him. And that, of course, was Exorce and Nanina uh, returning to the, mm. to the city. Meanwhile, we see this uh, laboratory place. There's a savage on a gurney, and this is one of those things that was pretty difficult for me to decipher visually from the reconstruction, mm -hmm. but the audio makes it fairly clear. Um, that this guy is very depleted, says Senta, who is the, he's the boss scientist. Mm. And Senta's a little displeased with his henchmen because they, they got a little overzealous with this guy. They drained too much out of him. It's not fatal. The guy will recover, but uh, they took more than they sort of so Exorce arrives to the laboratory now, and Nanina is his prisoner. Santa uh, checks on the uh, guy who's being let go. He, he's uh, watching him on a monitor, and the guy is shuffling away down the hallway very slowly. He's, he's exhausted and drained, but he'll live, it seems. Back on the tour group, Stephen is talking about how he's so impressed with the city and its fountains and all this stuff. But he asks, why Why is it only nice like this in the city? What about the rest of the planet? And Avon says, we have everything here that we need. And while this is going on, Dodo notices Exorce, the soldier. He's done dropping off Nanina, so he's coming back out, presumably to do more work. 
so Dodo, uh, being Dodo, she uh, she's curious now, and she sneaks off from the tour group, and she goes through the doorway that the soldier came out of, uh, and heads down the hall. And back uh, back in the uh, council with uh, Jano and the doctor. Jano's talking about uh, the glories of their technology. We can make the brave man braver, the wise man wiser, the strong man stronger. We can make the beautiful girl more beautiful still. So pretty impressive technology. Uh, mm -hmm. It does involve um, making other people miserable in the process, but uh, sometimes that's the price of science, I suppose. <laughs> and he's still talking around it, of course. He still hasn't you know, revealed the the secret of the technology. In the tour group, Flower realizes that Dodo is no longer with them, and Stephen starts calling for her. Dodo, where are you? Well, where Dodo is, she's in this corridor that leads to the laboratory. She finds herself looking at this shuffling old guy who was overdrained just moments ago. He seems fairly zombie-like, and again, this is a hard thing to make out from the uh, reconstruction but it was in the script, so I was able to <laughs> deduce it that way. <laughs> so she's terrified, and apparently he's supposed to be lurching toward her in this scene. She screams. So always a good way to end the episode with a, with a loud scream. Right. That's it. I will give them that Dodo probably has more agency in this story than anything else we've seen, where she actually goes off and does her own thing. I don't even know if we've seen her do that before. I, I can't remember if she's actually gone off and done it, but we certainly have gotten the impression that uh, she would, given half the chance. She <laughs> seems like kind of a free spirit, that Dodo. Yeah. Well, and now we're on to the cleverly named Episode 2. <laughs> So this savage lurches, and I'm going to say right up front, I cut out a whole lot of stuff in here and a whole lot of scenes and shots that didn't really further things. So, you know, yeah, understandable. <laughs> the story should be clear nonetheless. So the savage lurches towards Dodo, but it's quickly clear that she has nothing to fear because he's utterly drained and he's unaware of her presence. And he just kind of walks past her and goes toward the door at the far end of the corridor and the door slides open, you know, with light flooding in. And then he collapses and Dodo goes to help him. And he tries to speak to her, but he can't. And she helps him outside and he stumbles. And she's then startled as two more savages emerge from the bushes. Apparently they were waiting for him to show up and they help him up. And a guy named Chal, who's one of the savages, sees Dodo and he raises his spear to attack her. But the fallen man manages to stop him, you know, and say she helped him. And Dodo retreats into the corridor, and the door slides closed again, and she doesn't know what's going on. And then she walks along, and we're kind of into this episode. Now, in the scientist laboratory, you know, sent uh, uh, Raquel Welch and Nanina, <laughs> still strapped inside a glass case, and she's pleading for them not to do this to her. But they do it, and it's a little weird. They say they're going to vaporize her, so 
normally the way we think in science fiction is someone's going to vaporize you. It's like when the Daleks hit you with their, you know, their ray or whatever. But they really literally, it's more like what, what are those bars you go to that have like different, you know, therapies or whatever. So this is more like they literally put vapor around her, which, you know, yeah. Oh, I think they're called oxygen bars. Have you heard uh, of these where you I've, can I've, you know, I've go to a bar? I've heard of it. I've never been to one, but uh, oxygen does have some revivifying uh, effects though I've, yeah I've, I've been to the hospital where it uh just gave me a whole new lease on life that <laughs> <laughs> was some time ago thank god but uh it was yeah impressive. so uh so they put vapor around her and they then call this the transfer so they're doing the transfer and dodo ends up observing this Meanwhile, Steven is trying to figure out where Dodo is, and, you know, the locals, Avon and Flower, figures she's probably just playing a joke or something, and Steven says, not even Dodo would be as stupid as that, which I feel like, it's kind of like the writers are saying what they feel about this character, but anyway, maybe it's endearing. <laughs> Especially since uh, she would be as stupid as that. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for the actress. She really got handed a bad card, and you know well, we will like, see how it I resolves. Like Dodo, but... Actually, I, I, I mean, you know, it, it would be nice to have live action, uh, but uh, but she's fun. I get a kick out of her anyway, and she's always yeah. They, the I'm just saying the writers slang. don't seem to like it. Remember, she was the one who started the pandemic and the arc. You know, <laughs> she's always like causing all the problems. <laughs> So we're back in a council chamber and Jano, the leader of the elites, is telling the doctor that with this new stimulus, intellectual workers find themselves able to accomplish more. Artists are able to create works of brilliance and beauty. <laughs> and then Stephen busts into the room and says Dodo is gone. But <laughs> the doctor is completely unconcerned. Oh, she's off doing whatever. And he tells Jano to continue his stories. <laughs> okay. And back in Santa's laboratory... As Dodo watches, the technicians say that the woman they just vaporized is very weak. Uh, and then Dodo is spotted and they grab her. And they assume she's another candidate for them to vaporize or whatever they're doing. And she's, you know, well, as we'll see, she, she you know, obviously protests that she's not and such. Back in the city, the citizens are telling the guard about the last time they saw Dodo because, you know, she uh, disappeared. And, you know, Avon and Flower and company are talking and the guard is saying that these two are going to be held responsible because they were with her and they clearly didn't pay attention and let her get away. Now, I don't know why they did this, but then the citizens show the guard a concealed door here, but they say that Dodo wouldn't have been able to squeeze through it. So this is a door to the outside, um, which apparently the guards actually use. But they say, you know, Dodo wouldn't have been able to get through it. So why did they show it to the guard? Why did they put themselves at risk? I don't know. <laughs> But Steven insists on going through the door to find Dodo, and the guard pulls a gun on him to stop him. Meanwhile, back in the control room, you know, they're going after Dodo, and she threatens to smash the equipment, and the guards pull back as this could actually kill everyone if she does this. So again, she has, you know, definitely more agency here than she's well, usually I don't know if it would actually kill everyone, but it would deprive the city of its evil energy, at the very least. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, they seem to imply that, you know, maybe there'd be an explosion or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then Dodo sees the instruments in the lab that are controlling the woman, and she's escorted out. The scientists say they're lucky the woman didn't die. You know, they sucked a lot out of her. It's going to be a long time before they can extract any more life energy from her. So, 
Well, this is the second zombified one in a row they've done that with. They need to yeah, start paying <laughs> attention here. Need some uh, employee reviews here. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dodo has returned to Steven, and Avon and Flower don't believe her story about what she saw. And the guard, again, tells the locals they're going to be called to answer for their negligence and letting Dodo get away from them. <laughs> this is a great line here. Avon says, do not be afraid. After all, this is a free state, isn't it? And we are all equal here. <laughs> <laughs> and in a shocking twist, we shortly after see the light gun being used on Avon. So apparently he's not quite as equal as, as other people. Yeah, and and, uh, and he was the one who was so loyal to the state, too. I mean, it yeah, was, it was Flower. Yeah, if they was... want to go after someone, it ought to be her, Yeah. <laughs> So back in the laboratory, Nanina is dazed and she's led to an exit so that she can go out and, you know, flourish or whatever. Then in the council chamber, Stephen and Dodo are brought back to the doctor and the Dodo is trying to tell him what ha she saw happen, but the doctor is completely uninterested and he tells her to stop telling him about it. <laughs> but he then tells the elites there, you know, that he needs to go back to the TARDIS for a bit and they offer to send a guard with him, but he refuses any security and after the Doctor and Steven and Dodo leave, uh, the bad guys discuss whether Dodo understood what she saw, but they assume she didn't. So, see, again, they, they must understand that any civilized person is going to be mm. appalled by <laughs> what they're doing here. And yet, right. uh, they're, they're insistent that they're, they're doing the right thing when they finally do or divulge right. what it is that they're doing. So outside the city, the doctor tells Dodo that the reason he didn't want her to tell him anything was because he didn't want the, you know, the council to hear what she had to say because he doesn't totally trust them. Mm -hmm. And then they find the body of a savage in the bushes, and it's the man Dodo helped in that corridor, and he's just laying there. And she tells the doctor, you know, what happened. And the doctor now magically intuits that this entire society is based on sucking the life energy out of the savages, and that's why they are rich and powerful. <laughs> I don't know that that's all that magical and intuition. I mean, if I could figure it out partway through the first episode, that is not a stumper. Yeah, I just, you know, when I say there's no subtext, you know, it's like, oh, you know, the elite sucked dry. The, and. I will say something about this. I mean, I've been very fortunate in life, and, you know, both of us, I think, are, are doing fine. But, I, you know, I have friends who are my age, so in our mid-50s, who, you know, are having a really tough time and can't make much money, and this is how they feel about the world, right? And, I, and mm -hmm. also, when I was in the theater world, you know, I met actors who, that's what they thought, right? Like, literally, oh, we're all being literally starved so that Jeff Bezos can be a billionaire. And <laughs> that's not my approach to how the world works, but I have to recognize that a lot of people do feel that and do have mm -hmm. very different experiences. And, and this story is, you know, definitely saying that. I just wish it maybe had a little more subtlety or something to <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a little on the nose, but uh, but it's also I, I, it's kind of fun in some ways. I mean, it is, you know, it's basically a vampire story, except it's technological yeah. vampires. Yep. So the doctor says they can help this man if Stephen goes to the TARDIS and gets a container marked D four o three, which will cure him. So I guess it's convenient that they had D four o three available. Yeah. Meanwhile, the guard at all has been 
at all at all i don't know how you pronounce that um but he's been following the um, the doctor and company, and he now reveals himself and says that the injured man is faking it. He calls him a lazy animal and orders him to get back to his sector. So again, more text versus subtext. And the doctor insists this person is a human being like all of them. There's <laughs> a little problem with his argument, right? Which is the doctor is not human. And presumably the people on this planet are not human. (laughs) You know, I I didn't catch this particular instance of it, but later on when the doctor gets a a certain procedure performed on him, it occurred to me that, you know, the doctor may have a significantly different uh, physiology from uh, Mm. what they're used to working on, so... I don't know. Yeah, and I think it, it isn't the case now, but later it becomes part of the canon that he has two hearts, you know, so, yeah. yeah I remember <laughs> so, I, I had heard anyway, something I just thought it was funny. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, it all uses the threat of his light gun to get the doctor to go back to the city with him, uh, leaving the savage lying there on the ground to his fate. And then Stephen and Dodo return from the TARDIS with a metal box and give the medicine to the savage, which is a little bit of, you think about it, a callback to the Daleks, right, where there was the the radiation metal box. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Bit, the unexploded bomb. I <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was intentional at all, but it just made me think yeah, about yeah. it. So while Stephen and Dodo are helping this guy, more savages uh, observe them from a ridge, and then Dodo sees them. And they debate killing Dodo and Steven, but their elder Chow says not to do it. It would just be revenge, and that isn't helpful. And he points out also that the city isn't going to kill their guy who's laying on the ground because they want to keep the savages around to keep using them for energy. So the savages approach, and they are about to attack, but then the injured man, who we find out is named Wilda, revives enough to say these people are his friends and and shouldn't be hurt because they helped him but the savages insist that dodo and steven are from the city and they're like no we're not from the city and they're like well but we saw you in the city and it's like you know co- correlation is not causation <laughs> or you know whatever so, yeah you know. and then wilda tells dodo and steven that the doctor has been taken to the city and we see the council chamber again, and the doctor is now dressing down the elite for how they treat the savages to fuel their society. He's sort of figured this whole thing out. And Jano, the elite leader, is confused because the doctor accepted their honors. You know, he wore their fancy clothes. <laughs> and, and as, as soon yeah. as he accepted their honors, he went on to say, but before I can endorse you, <laughs> I need to know something. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah. go on. <laughs> <laughs> And just to make sure there's absolutely no subtext in this story, Jano says, do you not realize that all progress is based on exploitation? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we got it out there. (laughs) (laughs) So Jano has the doctor taken away. And boy, they switched. You know, the doctor was their hero. They'd followed him for light years, you know, et cetera. They knew everything about him. But all of a sudden, Jano says that the scientist sent us should be told that there's an emergency and Jano will send him special instructions. So, <laughs> so they recognize yeah. him as the master of time and space. But, uh, you know, we don't really need all your moral stuff. <laughs> Keep <laughs> yeah. that to yourself, bud. <laughs> yep. Back outside the city, Stephen insists there must be some way they can help the doctor. And the leader, Charles, says there's nothing they can do. After all, the guards have light guns. 
He also, t- you know, and also it would be kind of bad if the guards had gun guns, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, a lot of different type, types of guns can be uh, dangerous, actually. <laughs> yeah. So he also tells him the doctor is going to be subjected to the same treatment the savages are. So he knows what's going to happen here. Yeah. And in Senta's laboratory, indeed, the doctor is brought to him, and the guard Adele tells Senta to prepare for an emergency transference. <laughs> I'm not sure what makes it an emergency, but okay. <laughs> the doctor, so the doctor, I think, legitimately doesn't understand. He's like, "Well, whatever you're about to do, I don't want to see it." <laughs> Adele says, "Oh, you're not going to witness it because you're going to be participating in it." Dun dun. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the doctor is so used to showing up on these planets and being treated like royalty, he hasn't, he didn't quite figure out yet, you know, what his situation is. <laughs> and Senta protests, they've never done this to such a high form of life. And going along with originally calling this the, the white savages, you know, the high form of life is like, okay, let's just move on. <laughs> Try not to focus on that. But I mean, that is, that is exactly, you know, I'll take the, uh, say if these guys were Nazis instead of uh, aliens, you know, uh, that's exactly what that kind of bad guy would say too. You know? So uh, yeah. very much in keeping yeah. with the. And also sent us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was done. <laughs> Right. Also, Senta is sort of offended that they're going to put a fellow scientist uh, to the to the care. He says he's one of us, you know. But no, but yeah. his morals don't go too far because he doesn't uh, protest too much. <laughs> and then the funny part is the doctor is like, "Well, you didn't consult my feelings." <laughs> Nobody seems to care about his feelings, so they now strap him into a gurney. And uh, Senta did have a good point about the scientist bit because if it can be done to the doctor. Well, who knows That's that true. it can't be done to Senta sooner or later. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and Senta now says, you know, because the doctor is so advanced, they're going to need to use channel double A, double one. So, Ooh. you know, it's serious when you get double A, double one. And they put the doctor in the device and start it up. And it takes a while for anything to happen. But eventually things start to work. And the doctor's life energy is being extracted. And it's the end of the episode. Yeah. So this could be the end of Doctor Who, or the end of <laughs> yeah, the Doctor, too, and the show Doctor. Too bad we didn't didn't have the episode title for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we start off with uh, the head scientist Santa, and uh, he's doing he's doing the transfer. He's sucking the life out of the Doctor, and he says it's a perfect transfer. So even <laughs> though this is a, a the doctor has a lot more vitality than the uh, usual poor schmucks they bring in. This, uh, they're they're handling it well. They're not even over draining him apparently. Jano, the head elder, he's impressed, uh, and he he notes that the the two young people who are missing now, Stephen and Dodo, uh, they could also be a great source of energy. <laughs> so he sends out patrols to look for them. So there will be an abundance of energy very soon if they can get them. Meanwhile, outside, Stephen's talking with Chal, the head of the savages. And Stephen points out legitimately that uh, he says, if you don't fight them, you'll always suffer. Uh, and Chal <laughs> tells him, obviously, you've never faced the light guns. So on the, the light, light guns. Again, it's supposed to the guns, guns, yeah. yeah. Oh, th- this is also a bit of a callback to the Daleks. Do you remember when Ian was trying to get the... Uh, 
the Thal to be willing to fight the Daleks. You know, they had this this whole debate. And then remember, he like insulted the girlfriend and the guy punched him. And he was like, oh, you will fight for something. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. It took me a minute to remember <laughs> who the who the Thal were. But yeah, they were the ones that had the wacky star map and all that stuff. okay it's all coming back to me now (laughs) you may get the impression that i haven't thought about those episodes since i watched them uh, (laughs) well i'm always threatening to restart the (laughs) podcast and we'll watch it again (laughs) anyway charl uh is afraid of the light guns and and they're pretty powerful things but as it turns out they're not uh they're not the ultimate weapon because they have weaknesses which we will discover very soon Charles is telling them about the caves that they live in, and Dodo's surprised to hear it, but it's the one place, says Charles, that the guards will not follow. The passages are dark and spooky, and the guards are afraid to go in there. But then Tor, who is uh, one of Charles' underlings, and much less favorably inclined towards the strangers than uh, than Chal is. And he says that the patrols have been set out and they're searching for the strangers. And he's deduced this because they haven't touched any of the savages' people and they're still mm. looking around. So if they're not looking for the savages, they must be looking for these guys. And Stevens and Dodo are worried about what might be happening to the doctor. Stephen tries to reassure her that they'll find him, but uh, Chal says... When you do find him, he will not be as you remember. <laughs> because he's been through that many times himself. Back in the lab, Santa is talking to Jano. It's the head scientist and the head elder. Santa says he's, as a source of energy, his power is remarkably high. But he does point out that he will recover. It'll take time, but <laughs> the doctor will recover, which is good because he never gets a reinfusion later on in this series. But he'll bounce back. He just needs some, uh, you know, some bed rest, I guess. So now Jano, the elder, tells the head scientist, prepare for an intransference, uh, <laughs> which is to say that all the stuff they just sucked out of the doctor is now going to be stuck into somebody else. Mm-hmm. And he says, it would not be right to jeopardize the safety of any other members of the city. I will take full responsibility which is shoot it into my veins, basically. <laughs> now, when I heard this, I thought, oh, okay, so sure, he's the he's the head guy, so he wants to get the doctor's power and become Superman, you know. But uh, it turns out later uh, that actually, possibly at least, uh, Jeno may have been telling the truth that he really was just trying to take the risk, you know, be the guinea pig for the sake of the other people in the city, that uh, if something... That did happen. It would be to him and some random citizen. Yeah, it's hard to say because also conveniently, if he becomes a Superman, then that works for him too. So. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily an either-or situation either, but uh, but at least some aspect of it does eventually seem to be he really did uh, care about his people, even if he's doesn't care about the savages. So uh, back in the valley, the the guard is approaching Exorce once again, and uh, Tor and Chow are arguing because uh, if if they let these strangers into the caves, the guards are going to look in there eventually, and then that's that's their last place to hide. So once the once the caves are blown, apparently there are no other caves on the planet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
And that, that really is something that only occurs to me right now is, I mean, I don't think they're on like a tiny little asteroid. There's got to be a <laughs> lot of places they could go, but what the hell, maybe they, uh, yeah. They like being near the city or something. Well, it's that classic science fiction thing where, you know, one city represents the entire planet, etc. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Tor and Chowler are going. Tor makes a good point that this is going to lead to the discovery of the caves. Chowler says, I'm the leader and I say they may go. To which Tor replies, very well, our destruction will be in your hands. <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm wondering, is this going to be another Doctor Who thing where, uh, you know, the guy's going to turn traitor the second he gets the opportunity? And we'll, we'll see soon enough. So in the cave, uh, Dodo is very impressed. She thinks it's beautiful. And uh, it's kind of hard to tell from the reconstruction, but, uh, <laughs> but it did look like they had it decorated up real nice. You know, uh, it's probably a cozy, homey little place in there. And Child tells Dodo that uh, their ancestors were great artists. And over the years, that ability has been waning because, uh, you know, their, their talents are among the life energy that is sucked out of them. And he says, only our faith remains, and that they will never take. Which uh, <laughs> sounds, sounds kind of like, a, what was it, Braveheart with Mel Gibson in it? They can't never take saw our, that one. So. Oh, I think he is lying about they they can never take our freedom or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, this reminded me of that. Our faith remains, and that they will never take. It's a good good uh, optimistic spirit. Although uh, their faith apparently wasn't enough to let them face the light guns head on. But uh, <laughs> oh well, everything's got its limits. Tor. The uh, the guy who was disagreeing with Chal, Exorus has got him, and uh, he asks Tor where the strangers have gone, and Tor actually doesn't betray them deliberately, but he can't help glancing towards the cave, and that's all that Exorus <laughs> needs. You know, he he figures out that they must be where he glanced towards. So he gets up to the cave, and Nanina has recovered enough. Uh, so she bounced back pretty fast, uh, relatively speaking. Um, she's recovered enough to be watching the entrance. Exor says, you have the two strangers. Tell them to come here. She says, there are no strangers. Back in the <laughs> recesses of the cave, Chal is telling uh, Stephen and Dodo about these passages. The room they're in now has passages leading off from it. But they're all no outlet. They just they go back into the caves further, and then they just stop. So if you go down one, you're you're kind of stuck there. But he says they'll give us a chance because we got a lot of these passages, and he won't know which one to go down. So finally, Exorce tells Nanina he's going to come in and get these strangers himself. Demands that she tell him. She refuses. He says, "After I find them, I shall teach you to obey." Which, uh, you know, you could, you could read that in a fairly uh, dark light if, if you wanted to. But then it occurred to me, well, maybe, maybe she's actually willing to learn to obey. Um, and in fact, <laughs> uh, I was just thinking that, you know, sort of being a jackass. But uh, it turns out that something sort of like that does actually end up happening. So uh, I was prescient when I was just trying to be a jerk. <laughs> oh, well. 
Well, if you're canceled, uh, you know, worth watching media will immediately uh, <laughs> turn on you. So. Dis disavow all knowledge of my existence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Exorce keeps pushing her, and uh, she won't talk, but another one of the guys in there, another one of the savages, he says, they've gone into the face of the rock, and he even points out exactly which passage they've gone down. And then Nina says, you have betrayed them. And he says, but he would have taken me. Oh, it's not like you don't get taken every few weeks to get your vital juices sucked out anyway. Mm -hmm. Man up, buddy. So anyway, Stephen and Charles are going through these tunnels. And at this point, I actually got a little bit invested in the story uh, because the passages, mm -hmm. they're going down the passages and they're getting tighter and tighter. Uh, and I'm not fond of real cramped spaces, you know, and, uh, <laughs> so, and plus I was a little bit intoxicated, so I was sort of more into <laughs> the story than I might normally be, but you know, they're, they're going down this ever narrowing passage, um, that's going to deadhead on them eventually. And then they're going to be in this cramped little hellhole. So, you know, the suspense is building. Probably it would have been more suspenseful had it actually been uh, a show and not, Still images, but, you know, still, <laughs> all in all, I was yeah. intrigued. It is a lot of back and forth kind of hallway, you know, it's caves instead of hallways action. And I, but I agree. I mean, it, it, it served the story, but yeah, in terms of watching the reconstruction, it just, it's not a good way to experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it goes on for a little while too, but, you know. It's, it was all right. It's one of the more, for me, it turned out to be one of the more compelling moments of the, uh, of the episodes. So anyway, finally they do reach the dead end. They're just waiting for whatever's going to come next. Stephen has an interesting idea that if I can get him angry, he might do something rash. Now, you, <laughs> you have mentioned on a few occasions, uh, the, uh, what are you going to do? Shoot me? <laughs> and uh so that might come to mind but uh mm. anyway he he yells out come on soldier boy what are you frightened of you've got the gun <laughs> so he's yeah, really famous uh, last words uh, he's, <laughs> he's making a good effort i guess to, to to get him irritated and now after already saying that now is when steven thinks to ask chaw if the light from the gun reflects, does it still work? <laughs> Charles says, yes, in fact. Um, you know, he's seen it bounce off the water from the lake. And it just happens that Stephen remembers that Dodo's welcome gift was a mirror, which uh, <laughs> was not terribly clear in the reconstruction, but, uh, you know. It's also, how she'd be carrying it with her the whole time. I, I totally missed this, honestly. I just oh, yeah. This went over my head, yeah. <laughs> Figured it wasn't important, and uh, and you were right. <laughs> but, yeah. but anyway, uh, in this case, uh, at least to this moment in the story, it's important because it works. Uh, the mirror, uh, he uses it to reflect uh, the light gun's beam, and it freezes the soldier who's firing the light gun. So. Very handy. Uh, Stephen mm. grabs a light gun, and now he has taken the guard prisoner, and that is exactly what Charles says, and goes on to say, it is impossible, and yet it <laughs> happened. So at the entrance to the cave, Nanina and Tor are waiting out there. Uh, they hear people coming back. 
Uh, they figure the guard has got the strangers, but it turns out the strangers have the guard. And Tor is mm -hmm. very impressed, and so impressed <laughs> that he says, the strangers must be gods. So, <laughs> you know, that's so what's of the a, line if, uh, when they ask you if you're a god? <laughs> yeah, you say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so back in we the We did that movie, you know, just... It's funny oh, sometimes yeah. I have to remember just how many things we've done. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Times>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, still a classic. So uh, in Santa's laboratory, he's uh, he's checking on the performance of this in-transference. Uh, and, uh, you know, the head elder. Uh, I mean, that's, that's an awkward situation to be in if you're the chief scientist, you know, on the... Uh, the supreme leader comes up to you and says, uh, here, do this experimental procedure on me. <laughs> yeah, you better hope it either works or it really just does him in mm -hmm. once and for all because, uh, you know, a halfway result is not going to end up well for you. For yeah, there's, there's a lot of history of uh, medical professionals being held responsible for the results. <laughs> oh, yeah. But everything seems to be going well. And back in the cave, they're having a new debate. Tor is still being obstinate. Uh, but now, instead of against the strangers, who he now views the strangers as gods, and now he's saying they should kill this guard they've captured, Exorce. Um, but Stephen is saying he's more used to us alive. And he wants Chal, the head elder, and the, uh, the elder savage, to show him how to get into this city. And Charles knows a way because that's the way that uh, all the people are let out of after they're depleted, mm -hmm. which also is, uh, I think, how Stephen exited the city, if I remember right. So maybe he doesn't need to be shown, but, but he's going <laughs> to be shown nonetheless. But he's saying, mm -hmm. show us. So maybe he just forgot. I don't know. Anyway, Charles leaves. Stephen and Dodo go with him. Tor is going to deal with Exorce in his own way. He swings his club. He hits him, actually. But Nanina scolds him. She says, uh, stop that, or I'm going to call Chal back, and he'll deal with you. So Tor stops. And Exorce, the soldier, asks, why did you stop him? Nanina says, it would do no good to kill you. He asks her name, and he says, he shall remember it. So this could be the, the burgeoning of a new romance here hmm. a, a real romeo and juliet type thing between hmm. the savage and the city slicker <laughs> so outside the city steven and chal and dodo they're all lurking in the bushes they're watching the single guard who's watching the entrance to the city and the guard is pretty used to not having any trouble from the savages. So he's, I don't know, eating a sandwich or something. And uh, <laughs> Stephen fires his light gun at him. And it turns out, he, instead of having the tractor beam puppet effect like it does when you hit people one way, uh, Charles says the light must have hit his eyes. It is as if he was mm. struck by a club. He'll be like this for a long time. So that's very <laughs> convenient. Probably if Stephen had read, like, the little sticker on the gun, it would have said, do not aim at eyes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Permanent blindness may result. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it'll be like you're struck by a club. We don't know. <laughs> Something that'll happen. 
So the guard drops his gun, and Dodo takes that one. So now they got two light guns, so they're pretty much equipped to take on the whole city at this point. And she and Steven head through the doorway. Back in the lab, Jano has finished his procedure. Uh, he revives, but he's quiet at first as Santa's asking him some questions. And, uh, you know, he seems maybe a little out of it, a little dazed. And then he says, uh, what's all the fuss about? I'm quite all right. The trouble with you people on this <laughs> planet. And even after that, even after the trouble with you people on this planet, I still didn't pick it up until a few lines <laughs> later. Yeah, and I think the line was when they start talking about uh, Stephen and Dodo, and he says, oh, strangers to you, perhaps, but I have known them both for, and then he cuts himself off. So it's actually <laughs> the doctor speaking through him, and I couldn't tell if this was Hardinal's voice or if, or if the guy, no, if I, it wasn't, it was the, the guy was doing a pretty fair impersonation of him, I thought. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was impersonating him, and kind of getting back to something I mentioned in the intro, it's kind of the ultimate insult here because they've left the doctor out of a lot of this story. They've had him be a zombie, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then they have another actor kind of speaking for him and taking his role. I mean, they're just doing everything they can to, you know, put him on the sideline. Oh, yeah. He, he, does, a, he does a fair job of it, though. I mean, I actually wasn't certain if that was Hartnell or it's actually pretty actor. funny it's the part that i this is the one thing that would make me want to actually see the live action of this is to see how the the actor was imitating Hartnell because we've never mm. seen that before we'll never see it again but yeah. oh yeah and and it is kind of funny because he kind of takes this high voice and yeah it is, you know oh, yeah, yeah it, it sounds like it. very much like it, it's a good impression i thought so that yeah probably worth including an audio clip if you can swing it What's all the fuss about? Hmm. I'm quite all right. The trouble with you people on this planet is that you what don't you mean, understand. Jano? You belong to this planet. You're one of us. <laughs> Santa leaves the lab. You know, once once it's clear that Jeno isn't dying or psychotic or yeah, at least violently psychotic. Jeno says, so I'm in this dreadful place, am I? Well, I'll soon do something about their equipment. <laughs> so he's about to smash a whole damn laboratory, but then all of a sudden Jeno comes back to himself and he says, what's happened to me? What's happened to me? <laughs> now I'll say what I thought at this point, I assumed they had switched bodies, right? Mm, so yeah. Jano was the doctor and the doctor was Jano. That turns out not to be quite the case but that that was and honestly i'm gonna say right now i think it would have been a more interesting story if that was the case but uh we'll see how it goes here <laughs> so yeah it's it's kind of an interesting mixture here it's you know it's it it's kind of like the fly where <laughs> in in that i mean that Maybe, I don't remember if this was the 80s, The Fly, but in the original, The Fly, both of the creatures, you know, the, the man with the fly head and the fly with the man head, they both had some component of the human intelligence in them. You know, the fly still seemed to have all his doctor knowledge, but the little, the little fly knew enough English at least to yell, help me. <laughs> So, so, you know, you've got distributed intelligence going on here because while mm -hmm. the doctor's consciousness is at least partially present in Jano's head, it's also still present in the doctor's head, we'll see, yeah. coming down the road here. So, yeah, I'll let somebody else work out the meta metaphysics of that. But, uh, 
That's the situation we got. So now the other cop, Edal, uh, who's a ex-horse's partner or something like that, but he also seems to be a high-ranking guard. He and the head doctor, Senta, they're watching Stephen and Dodo on the monitors. They know they're approaching. They've, they've snuck into the city, and they're, they're watching them like hawks. And they're going to try and set up a trap for them, lure them in. He reaches for the intercom and uh, calls up the guest apartment where they've stashed the doctor. And he says, <laughs> conduct time traveler number one to the end of emergency corridor U3. And they're to take the doctor there and leave him there. And do it right away. It's urgent, he says. So Dodo and Stephen are making their way into the depths of the city, and there's the doctor just standing in the hallway, very out of it. They say, Doctor, mm. and he doesn't answer. He doesn't even seem to really take notice of them. He's just out of it. So they both grab him, and together they start guiding him along. They're going to take him back out of the city. And then that other guard, Edal, he's watching all this. And uh, he presses a button that starts to shut off their escape. Dodo is trying to hold on to the doctor, or she's trying to hold on to the, hold the door open, and the doctor's not moving. You know, they're trying to say, move it, doctor. And he's not doing any of that. So, so the door ends up closing. So now they're stuck in there. And then Edel sends some guards in, and he says, use destructive vapors as protection against the light guns. So <laughs> that's handy. To me, that kind of has the feel of something they just sort of pull out of their posteriors. You know? <laughs> uh, so how? what are we going to do about the light guns? Uh, destructive vapors. Yeah, well, we did have the vaporizing earlier, so there's <laughs> yeah. a connection. Yeah, I guess that's a motif, the vapor motif. So these guys come in with their destructive vapors, and Stephen... Fires into the vapors and nothing happens because that's how you thwart a light gun, which actually, <laughs> uh, you know, vapor mm. will obstruct light. So, yeah, I guess I'll allow it. Dodo observes that that's no good, Stephen. And uh, <laughs> so this vapor is spreading around. Apparently, it's not very nice to breathe. Uh, the guards have got these gas masks on. They're coming closer. Stephen's choking and coughing and pounding on the door. The doctor's just standing there like a bump on a log. He's not doing anything. And they're in a tight spot. And that's where this episode ends. <laughs> we'll move on to surprise episode four. <laughs> I think we need to start coming up with episode titles now that they're not yeah. bothering to do it for us. <laughs> So Dodo gives into the choking and she throws her light gun into the vapor because they're being said, oh, you know, throw your light guns. And uh, so she throws her light gun into the vapor and she tells Stephen he needs to do the same, but he refuses. You know, <laughs> I've watched a lot of YouTube self-defense videos. If you have a gun, don't don't give it up. <laughs> <laughs> but what if somebody's got the drop on you? Well... <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole thing there, because, lit well, uh, literally, if someone has a gun pointed at you, you do not want to draw a gun, because you will be shot. <laughs> yeah. 
if they and then there's all these metrics. So if they turn and if you see their ear, then you have like 1.5 seconds, or if they do this or that, you have two seconds, and then you need to know what your time to first draw is. But that's a <laughs> so if if more detail than we need. If here. you had mm-hmm. a gun drawn, though, I wonder. I, I guess if you had a gun drawn, but they also have a gun drawn. Uh, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I guess that's a judgment yeah. Call, well, right? if you're if you're both already drawn, then you might as well shoot. But uh, <laughs> if they've got a gun on you, then don't do it. You're going to get shot. That's how that works. Yeah. Uh, so in the control room, Jano slash kind of the doctor <laughs> says, uh, "No, don't, my boy. Give it to them." And he's you know Stephen can't hear him. He's just watching them on a monitor, and then almost probably kind of unconsciously his hand reaches out to a control and suddenly the doors open and steven provides covering fire with his gun well he and dodo escape so it was a good idea that he didn't give up his gun mm-hmm. and in the control room center realizes that someone has helped the prisoners escape and then et al accuses jano slash the doctor but you know jano reminds him who he's speaking to and they need a patrol to go after Steven and Dodo. So Ed all says he'll lead it, but Jano says, no, I'm going to lead it. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> and outside, Steven and Dodo are carrying the doctor along. You know, he, he's not being very cooperative because he's a zombie at this point. And they run into Chal, the leader, who's amazed that they got away. And he understands what the doctor is going through because, of course, he's been through this process. Yeah. And he says they need to take the doctor to the caves. It's the only place that the guards won't go. Steven decides to stay behind and delay the guards who are after them. And we have, I don't know, I think multiple scenes in here, but I'm uh, <laughs> leaving a few out because they don't really contribute anything. <laughs> On the bad guy's side, Jano and et al. are leading a party of four guards, but et al. is very suspicious of Jano at this point for, for good reason. And Jano, in terms of their strategy, says, look, the strangers may have done one of two things. They may have tried to get back to their spaceship, or they may have gone on to the Valley of Caves. I suggest we split up. Now now we know it's a Doctor Who story. (laughs) (laughs) Take two men and see if the strangers have tried to reach their machine, and I will go on to the valley. And Adal says, I'll come with you, Jano. I think you may need my help. (laughs) So then Steven watches the group come into view, and he takes aim with his light gun. But it all sees some movement ahead, and he grabs Jano and drags him undercover and potentially saves him. And then Steven fires, and his beam hits one of the guards squarely in the eyes. So we we kind of referenced (laughs) this earlier, but if you hit him in the eyes, it knocks them out. So that's kind of a, well, literal headshot. (laughs) And then Steven crawls away back into the bushes and out of sight, which is smart because one of the things you need to understand is if you're playing kind of sniper (laughs) and you shoot somebody, you have to move because people are going to figure out where you are and then they're going to come and shoot you. (laughs) Did you ever see Enemy at the Gates? No, I didn't. Ah, that might be a good one uh, to watch sometime. Not Not a bad show. It's all Is it about a TV a, show or a movie? Oh, uh, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's about World War II, a duel between two snipers, a Nazi and a Soviet. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Okay. Sounds, I mean, there was American Sniper, which was sort of based on a true story that had some similarities to what you're, what you're saying there. Hmm. 
So in the cave, Nanina takes water to Ixorus. So Ixorus is one of the guards we've seen throughout the story, who, you know, who was captured and he's tied up in a corner. And while Nanina's taking care of him, Tor says, it's a pity I didn't kill him when I had the chance. You know, people of his kind must be destroyed if there's to be any hope for the rest of us. And Nanina stands up to him, says, we, we're not going to save ourselves that way. So she's showing this guy mercy. Yeah, she's not going to get herself a husband that way either. <laughs> well, maybe she could get uh, Exorus there. You know how many people marry their nurses, you know, after yeah, a war. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they if they kill Exorus, uh, she's not getting a husband. Oh, either. I see. Okay, but, I didn't. <laughs> but, then, but then she could get a Tor as a husband, so I'm sure he's maybe, a catch, maybe. too. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to find something that matters here. <laughs> this is the point where I was just having lines from the script. Um, so basically, the doctor gets back to the caves while Stephen is, you know, giving him cover fire. And Stephen tells them they need to give him one of those, you know, I don't remember what it was, 40, 480B or whatever capsules that uh, the doctor conveniently. or some such thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the doctor conveniently created before this uh, adventure. And then Stephen and, you know, the savages see somebody moving, and it turns out to be the leader, Jano. He's climbing down into the valley and apparently doesn't know the danger he's in, that they've, you know, they spotted him and they could shoot him at any time. And as they watch, he stumbles and falls to the ground, and Taurus says, well, let's shoot him now. But suddenly the doctor shows up and knocks Stephen's light gun aside so he can't shoot him. And the doctor says, don't, you know, not at Jano. And Stephen says, what are you doing? And the doctor says, you must not harm Jano. And so he seems to have some kind of insight into Jano, I guess, because they sort of mind merged. <laughs> And then Dodo in the cave is like, oh, we got to get back to the TARDIS, which, you know, is usually what the doctor wants to do. But he says, no, no, my dear, we can't leave yet. We've got a lot of work to do. And Stephen says, work. And the doctor says, yes, I don't intend to leave these people in this oppressed state. So it's it's good mm -hmm. to know that once in a while the doctor cares about the planet he's, he's on. <laughs> yeah. And, and apparently <laughs> since since this isn't something that the doctor knows about the history of, Maybe he thinks he can actually make a difference here. That's true. And the doctor now, you know, tells the savages that he's going to destroy the power that, you know, the elites hold over them. And Stephen realized, you mean destroy the laboratory? And the doctor says, yes, precisely. Stephen says, how are we going to get in? And the doctor says, all we need is one friend from the other side. And... You know, Nanina doesn't think that's possible, but the doctor says, I think we have him already, my dears. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the valley, Jono says it's getting dark, and he tells Adal and company to return to the city, and Adal refuses to do it. You know, he's very suspicious of Jano, which is why he's sort of, you know, connected to him. And Jano says, I'm still your leader. This is an order. Tell Senta and the elders that I shall return with the strangers as prisoners. And it all says, I obey under protest. So, okay. That's going in his personnel file mm -hmm. under protest. <laughs> Meanwhile, the doctor is telling the savages that they don't need to post a guard, and he believes they're going to have a visitor. Meanwhile, Adal is telling Senta, the scientist, you know, back in the lab, that he thinks that Jano is about to betray them. 
And meanwhile, Jano is in fact betraying them, so he shows up to the savages. So the doctor explains that somehow he knew that, you know, Jano was going to be the person to receive the doctor's transference because Jano's an upstanding guy who wouldn't let anyone else take the risk of becoming the most powerful person. He's going to jump on that grenade for him. Yeah. So Jano's like, oh, you're right, doctor, but now what's happened to me? And the doctor explains, it's all very simple. You wanted my intellect, you got it, but along with my intellect, you got a little bit of conscience. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Exorus has managed to free himself from his bonds, and he, you know, sprints out and disappears. And then Nanina runs out after him. I can't even remember any of this, so I'm just reading the fucking script. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> so Nanina manages to catch up to Exorus and tells him, you know, you owe me your life. So if you're against us now, you condemn us forever. And Exorus goes on his way and leaves Nanina alone. So guess it's a breakup. Back in the lab, Senta says that he promised Jano that he wouldn't tell anyone about the intransference because, you know, it was sort of highly confidential in case anything went wrong. But now he feels like he's got to tell people. So he tells them that Jano appears to have absorbed dangerous ideas from the doctor. Uh What can they do? And Ed (laughs) Ed all says the natural thing. We can no longer trust Jano. He's not fit to lead us, so I will take command. So <laughs> that's very, uh, you know, accommodating of you there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mighty thoughty of him. Yeah, and he declares an emergency, which isn't that how this always works. <laughs> X-Source, you know, having escaped the savages, he now shows up in the laboratory, and he's trying to, you know, tell them everything. <laughs> you know, classic kind of government spy thing. Adal says, well... We'll see what the interrogators can get out of you. So, you know, they just assume that he's going to got, you know, he needs to be tortured or something and has things to spill. And expert says, wait, only the leader can do that. And, you know, then it's explained to him that Adal has taken on the leadership. And then Jano shows up and he's like, wait, you took in the leadership in the absence of me? <laughs> like, well, we didn't expect you to show up. And says, why not? I said that I'd bring back myself with some prisoners. So here we are and bring in the strangers. And Santa then turns on Adal, you know, the, the scientist guy, and tells Jana that Adal had told them that he'd gone over to the enemy and then tried to take his place. And so Jano puts both of them under arrest. Jano then orders that the doors be sealed and Santa wants to know what's going on and Jano says, you'll find what I'm going to say very difficult to understand. All the elders of our city are here, and so is the source of our supremacy on this planet. No man easily gives up the means which give him power. <laughs> and so Jano then tells Senta that he wants him to destroy all this, by which he means all this machinery from which they transfer energy from the savages. And Santa says, they're not our fellows, Jano. They are the savages. They're not capable of development like us. So, again, you know. Okay, in case there was any uh, any question you had in your mind about what the point of the story was. <laughs> and Jano says, how do you know? And Santa says, all history proves it. The savages are good only to provide us with energy. The laboratory must not be destroyed. Jano says, these people are our equals. 
what we've done to them is wrong. You know, I guess, you know, it's hard to see how he would think this if he didn't have, I guess, you know, part of the doctor in him at this point. Yeah, the doctor uh, really, uh, the doctor's consciousness really did a, did a number on him, gave him a real change of heart here. Yeah, so much so that he says, if you won't destroy all this, then I must. And he picks up a metal bar and starts smashing the control panel. (laughs) And in the reconstruction, uh, it, it, this was just like, it seemed like five minutes. It was probably more like a minute, but you just hear <laughs> like things smashing. And it's, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. very few still scenes accompanying it. So it's not entirely clear, but you can sort of infer that uh, some bashing stuff <laughs> right. is going on. And then Nina is here. I'm not quite sure when she showed up. But anyway, she asks Exorus to help them out, and he starts smashing things too. So he sort of turns on his own people because he was treated nicely by Nina and company, or he's hoping she'll be his girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have the very undoctor thing of him saying to Dodo, you know, my dear, there's something very satisfying in destroying something that's evil, don't you think? And she says yes, so I guess they're... Uh, I'm not quite sure from the reconstruction. I guess they're helping out and destroying things, but again, I just think that's yeah, not a very doctor. Yeah, they probably picked up say. some metal bars and they're, you know, bashing the vats and all that stuff. Yeah. So it turns out that the energy transfer process has been ended forever. Cause apparently there's no way to recreate it at this point. And Jano, the leader, tells the leader of the savages, this is only the beginning, Chow. After this destruction, our people must learn to build a world they can both live in. <laughs> I'm going to refer back to the Daleks and see how that, <laughs> that went. <laughs> and Chow says, and both sides must learn to trust each other. <laughs> the shocking twist of this story, maybe, you know, the big reason to pay attention to this story, yeah. Jano says, we need a new leader, somebody who can unite us. And there's a debate about this. And it turns out that the only clear new leader is Steven. (laughs) 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 And apparently, this was basically news to Peter Purvis, who played Steven. He didn't know he was about to be fired. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, geez. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They they do. uh, I'm really surprised at how often they they swap out these companions. I mean, did somebody not like him, or did they just think, oh, we want somebody? You know, I didn't see anything about that. Well, I mean, I think we had new producers. So, remember, the previous producer hated Hartnell, and he basically quit after when he didn't get his way on the celestial toy maker, right? Where he mm. wanted to replace the doctor at that point. He wanted him to come back from being invisible right. as a different character. And he lost that fight and he quit. So now they have another new producer, Ennis Lloyd. And so, you know, whenever you have a new producer, they want to have their own characters, um, in part because if you created the character, then you get royalties from that, right? So oh. whenever you're the producer who takes on a show, you want to get rid of some of the old characters and create new ones because you're going to get paid for that uh, that's just okay i didn't know yeah, that and, was uh, how it worked so yeah. yeah and also you know you have your own ideas and what you want to do etc and you want to put your stamp on the show so hmm. we have a new producer let's get rid of steven and uh the actor is surprised but you know that's how it goes he had a good career after this so yeah and I was I was starting to warm up to him. I, uh, I I warmed up to Dodo pretty quickly, but it took a few episodes for me to really get into Stephen. But uh, I was I was starting to like him. 
Yeah, um, the doctor tells him it'll be a great honor. By the way, the doctor is just kind of like foisting him off on his heels, like, I'm done with you. But he's doing him that kind of manager way of, oh, isn't this great, right? <laughs> so, and then one of the, I thought it was pretty funny, Jana, where somebody says, is, with Stephen as our leader, our people will become great again. <laughs> so I was thinking, you know, make uh, whatever great again. And I looked up to see and actually asked ChatGPT, what's the name of the planet in this story? And it's an unnamed planet. So the, the, the slogan doesn't work quite as well. <laughs> make oh. unnamed planet. It great again. <laughs> Chat GPT being what it is, there's at least a 30% <laughs> chance that it does have a name and it just decided to lie to you. <laughs> so Jano then says to the doctor, for many light years, we looked forward to your arrival on this planet. We knew of your wisdom, but we never dreamed of the miracle that it would bring us in which you destroyed our society in which we had <laughs> unlimited <laughs> wealth and riches and, you know, <laughs> And the doctor says, thank you, Jano, and if you ever need the benefit of my wisdom again, I trust and hope you'll allow me to express myself in my own free will rather than place me in an oven and try to cook it out of me, so it seems fair. And the doctor, you know, tells Stephen again that he's proud of him, and uh, his last statement is, goodbye, Stephen, and good luck. And I think, like, uh, here's where we're at. Now, it's going to get worse, and I'm not going to tell you when, but it's going to get worse for some future uh companion but we had susan which i know it didn't impact you the the way it did me but we had that huge emotional speech of him you know when susan left and and he explained to her why why she had to go on her own way and now we're at the mm. point of like well goodbye don't let the you know, door hit you in the ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah you've you've served your purpose <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. And Dodo asks the doctor, do you think we'll ever see him again? And he's like, ah, who knows? Let's go. <laughs> so, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> real broken up here. A real, real tearjerker of a scene. <laughs> now, Dodo does seem upset, if, uh, if I remember. Yeah, she that. is. But the doctor's just like, ah, we got stuff to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they get in the TARDIS and the TARDIS disappears. Now, one of the things I'll, I'll just say right here, you know, Peter Purvis, who plays Stephen, has always said that he thought they should have come back to the planet in a future story and found out that he had set himself up as a dictator. <laughs> oh, I, I yeah. like it. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> they never did that. Oh, well, that's too bad. Well, we can still make it a headcanon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the story. Hey, here's where I'm at, right? On, uh, I mean... There's nothing terrible about this. There, there's mm. no really bad actors, or, aside from the stupid thing on the guards' heads, whatever that was. There's <laughs> nothing really embarrassing in this. It's, you know, you don't have the floppy feet of, you know, the... Um, yeah. Oh, what were they? The, uh, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to say Salaronites, but that, that was... Uh, yeah, something close to that. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, yes. you know, you know, like there, there's nothing embarrassing here. It's just there, and from the very first moments, you know what the story is. And as I say, there's no subtext; it's just all text. Oh, these people are having their life energy sucked out of them, so we can have a great life. You know, it's like okay, but. There's no, I mean, here's my problem is that a lot of times it's not the story in Doctor Who that makes it interesting. It's some really good bad guy like Tatoxel in, mm. you know, the Aztecs oh, yeah. or, 
or it's something really silly that you want to make fun of or whatever. There's no great bad guy here. There's no one who stands out. I mean, if you look at uh, the crusade, right? You have these great actors and this great acting. And then we have the, the you know, the funky uh, guy who at first was the bad guy torturing Ian and then becomes Ian's friend and helps him out, right? Like there's all these little uh, twists and turns and people that you kind of like to follow. And here I'm just like, mm-hmm. I can't remember any of these people. I don't know who they are. I don't know their name. I mean, there's the Raquel Welch girl, so, you know, maybe they could have shown yeah. a little more skin there. And I, you know, so, so that's where I'm at. Lost I just, to history anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is interesting that the head elder, who was sort of the big bad guy, uh, he ended up repenting of his crimes, yeah. you know. So that's, that's interesting. And his impression of the doctor was good. I got a kick out of that. And there's... There's little moments throughout this. I would say there were a, a lot of parts of it that engaged me more than many other episodes have where I really wanted to know what happened next. You know, and uh, hmm. what happened next wasn't really any great shakes. And, and as you <laughs> yeah, said, that was my it, problem. Is I felt like I knew what was going to happen next. Like nothing surprised me, you know, yeah. really. Well, except, like I said, I thought maybe the doctor and Jeno had like switched bodies, but that's not. Right. Not what happened. So for me, it's just there. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I would say our, I think our podcast here makes it sound more interesting than it is. I wouldn't <laughs> encourage someone to, I mean, go watch, you know, if you want to re- watch a reconstruction, watch Marco Polo, watch the crusade. I, you know, I would put this maybe above, um, the massacre. Maybe I don't know. What, what do you feel like if you were to choose between watching this or the massacre? You know where know. they sat what around in the pubs massacre? the whole time. Remember that <laughs> was the French. <laughs> oh, is that the Huguenots? <laughs> They're Huguenots. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And they um, sat around in pubs the whole time until everybody killed everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That um, I don't know. I think I found this one more interesting than that one. All in all, right. So um, maybe we'll we'll put. So that's the benefit of this. We'll put it above the massacre. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it had its moments. It definitely is not a uh, insist that your friends sit down and watch it right now with you. Yeah. But uh, eh, it's not the worst by far, but uh, <laughs> but certainly would be nice to have the live action with this one because it, 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 it seems like there probably was a lot of neat stuff in it, like the, uh, the homey little cave that the savages have built for themselves mm. and stuff like that. Uh, we probably... It's probably some fun stuff that we're missing out on by not having that video. But yeah, it's uh, the only really extraordinary thing about this that I can think of is the uh, the impression of the doctor, which is uh, yeah. is pretty neat. I so. agree. That's fun. Okay, well, next up, we have an, another actual live action story, <laughs> The War Machines. And, Guy, I can predict right now, I know the moment you're going to like most in this story, but we'll see if I'm, oh. if I'm right about that. So, hmm, and we're, we're getting close. We have, this is, uh, there are two more Hartnell stories after this. So we're, do we have any more live action end. Hartnell or is it all reconstructions? Uh, well, Kind of the last story 
some of it is live and so I don't remember how much of it is uh not. One or two episodes are not and one one of the things I'll give this at least is this was a four episode story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, four episode stories are the best for Doctor Who at this time, right? Because, uh, but it, this could have been, if they had made this like a seven episode story, oh. I would have been shooting <laughs> myself. <laughs> that, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they would have really had to do some stretching. Cause like, like I said, they, yeah. uh, even with four episodes that it could have been trimmed down in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's called trim. Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I look forward to to seeing what you think of the war machines. All right. 